right, thank you. Wonderful song. Hope that, that if you've been saved a little while, that uh, that that doesn't hasn't grown cold in your heart. Think about the great rescue that the Lord Jesus performed on the cross for you and I, and uh, we ought to we ought to marvel at that. And it doesn't really shouldn't really matter how long you've been saved. That ought to be something that still you marvel at and you, you rejoice in and it moves your heart. And, um, you know, sometimes we, we do get a little familiar with the things of God. And I think that sometimes, especially when you're in the habit of, of being in the midst of just the work of God and being in attendance and being in something week in, week out, it can grow a little cold to our hearts. And, you know, one of the things that we ought to not lose is just a just a marvel at, at God's working and to marvel at His Word and to marvel at all that, that God still does. And do you believe that this morning? God still works, doesn't He? And I hope that that's, that's not just a not just a, something that we make mental assent to, but it's deep within our heart as we observe what God is still doing today. And, you know, we, I, I, I love observing children. I love the wonder that they have in, in just their, their outlook of life. And I was discussing this morning, a couple of our young men just came back from a, a nice skiing trip over there from Queenstown and and I was just discussing with, uh, with Dylan earlier about just the, the beauty of this, of this city. And you've, if you've ever, you ever been to Queenstown, it's a beautiful place. You almost don't believe it's real. And you sort of look at all of that. Yeah, good point. It is, it is cold, but that's the point, right? But, <laughs> and you go there, you, you go skiing. You, but just being there is beautiful. And, and many years ago, we had the opportunity to go. Uh, I was preaching for a friend of mine in Christchurch and... And, uh, you know, we had the opportunity. He, uh, he let us, uh, just gave us another extra week. We got to stay in a hotel over there. And I'm not much of a, I'm not much of a skier. The most I do with snow is, is put it in a ball and throw it at my kids. All right? But um, we had fun in the, in the, in the snow there. But just the, this, the drive and was amazing. And we got to drive from Christchurch uh, through to, to, um, to Queenstown. And Jaden, at that point, he wasn't, uh, he, I think he's just one, or he just turned one, and he had just begun to start to really communicate a little bit. But by the end of the trip, he learned a new word. He learned the word, wow. <laughs> because every corner that we, we turned, and every, it just seemed like there was a new vantage point, a new view, a, a, just a, a stunning a uh, stunning landscape that we just really enjoyed. And our whole family, every time we made a turn, we all just went, wow. And by the end of it, he learned the word, wow. And, and you know, I just began to think about that this morning as as was thinking about the scriptures that we read. How, you know, many times uh, it ought to be that when it comes to the Lord and when it comes to the things of God, there ought to be an attitude of, wow. <laughs> there ought to be an attitude of astonishment. There ought to be, and I think that sometimes we get a little too professional in our Christian life that the awe of God and all of His majesty and all of who He is no longer amazes us. It no longer astonishes us when things happen and we sort of then break it down to, a process or to a formula or to some sort of other reason why things happen. And we forget that actually we have an amazing God. Amen. That we are the people who look at God and we sing the song Amazing Grace and not just because of grace, because it's God's grace. And that ought to be a, a, a staple of our attitude and, and, and our, our condition of heart as we go about. You know, we do have and serve an amazing God. And we ought to have a, a sense of awe when we approach times or we gather together and 
we ought to have a sense of God's presence and how amazing it is and how marvelous it is and how astonishing it is that we have access into the throne room of heaven. And, you know, there's times where we approach the, this very thing called prayer and we go and we just forget that this is open communication with the God of heaven, the creator God. And we approach it at times and we, I think, need to be rescued at times from the dryness and the lack of, of astonishment that we now have at times. You know, I think we live in a time where we are geared to be entertained. We're geared to, uh, to, to be amazed at all of the special effects of the movies that we watch. And, and we have technology that amazes we have things now that probably even 10 years ago we wouldn't have dared to say this could be in existence. But we look around and we see, we see some pretty amazing things now. And we get programmed into thinking that we've got to be impressed somehow by the things of God. And somehow that has to compete with the other realities of life. And yet, if we're not careful, we can be drawn into a little bit of that familiarity with the things of God, that we're no longer impressed. We no longer approach the, the very, very fundamental and foundational thing of opening the Word of God because we've got so many copies and because we're so fed with it, we, we can uh, have it on our phones, have it on our devices and have, it, have several copies of the Word of God on our shelves that we no longer even are impressed by the black and white words that are written in, the, in the, the book we call the Bible, which is the living Word of God. We can go about and we can just wake up each morning and, and rather than being in, in awe of the fact that God in His sovereignty and God in His power has preserved the Word of God for us and we have the very copy of the Word of God, we can just sort of sit it aside and just pick up the latest best-selling novel instead. And we can go about and be impressed with all of the storytelling that, that the, this world can conjure up. And we forget that we got, we've got the very words of the living God right here preserved for us today. We, we can go about and we could uh, sort of just uh, look around and become too familiar with, with our attendance. And, you know, it's, it's good for us and ought to be something that we're faithful to, to come together as we as we open the Word of God, as we tell of the week and we share a bit of the testimony of what God has done in our lives this week, we ought to, be, uh, we ought to look forward to that. But let's not grow cold and familiar because we're just so used to it. And really this is what happened in the, in the life of, uh, of the, the, the hometown here of the Lord Jesus. We read the passage this morning and I want to give him a little bit of credit because at the end of it as he taught, notice in verse 44, uh, 54, and when he was come into his own country, he taught them in their synagogue insomuch that they were astonished. You know, at least there was a bit of astonishment. But, but the reason they were astonished was, was they, they just looked at him and they, you know, they were familiar. Who, who is this guy? I mean, we've, we know his brothers and his sisters. Is not this the carpenter's son? And they, they, they were astonished for the wrong reasons. They were too familiar and their familiarity normalized who Christ was. It just normalized it. You know, they, they were astonished at his words. They asked these questions, but the, the conclusion that they came with in verse 57, notice this, and they were offended in him, was the wrong conclusion. And I want to say firstly that, that I hope that we still have a sense of astonishment about the things of Christ. I hope when we hear songs about the gospel, I hope that when we sing the familiar hymns and as we come together to worship and to praise, that it's not just a dry exercise. I hope that's not the case this morning. I hope it's not just about just us turning up and ticking the box and, and feeling good about ourselves because we came to church, I, I hope that there is at least a sense that we want God to do something, that God can still do something, that God in, in, in His, in his uh, sovereignty and His power that is still real today, that we can still get amazed at all that God can do. 
I think that's the, that's the power of testimony. You know, I love hearing the testimonies of God's people. I love hearing about those who have been saved uh, even recently. And I love hearing people's testimonies of how God has worked in their lives. And I love to listen to stories of, of those that God has affected. And, and, and I hope that at the end of it, that feeds your amazement in God. I hope that feeds your faith. I hope that, that that inspires you a little bit to go, wow, what we serve such an amazing God. Boy, what, what a God we serve. But you know, sometimes that's all that we get to though. Now sometimes that's it. You know, we recently hosted our, our annual leadership conference and I'm glad for leadership conference. I'm glad for, for all that God has done over the years. In, in, in a week's time, we're going to celebrate our church anniversary. And by the way, there's still invitations at the back. Please take your time this week and invite friends, invite family, uh, make some personal invitations with your neighbors. Go along. And, and the whole point of that isn't to, to have a big crowd. The, the point of that is maybe some of those would hear the gospel perhaps for the first time. And they could get saved because God still saves. But we're gonna, we have these times where we have special, special times where we want God to deal with us. And no doubt you would agree with me this morning, our, our, our leadership conference this year was, was God used. That, that we, we, we gleaned some things and it was, to me, it's just, it's just enough, more evidence to, to show that God is still at work. That his, his, his word is still powerful. That the preached word of God is still needed for today. And, and I look back at that. But you know, if we go away from times like that where God's wanting to deal with us, we're in the midst of those that are expounding the word of God faithfully and go away and we just walk away amazed. Is that enough? Is that enough to just be astonished? Is that all that God wants us to be, is just to be amazed at the, the, the working, to be amazed at what, what it seems to be God is doing in people's lives? Is that enough? And you know, sometimes we can, we can have perhaps higher expectations of those times and lower expectations of our week in, week out. But I wonder if that's all it is. You know, do we come and do we just want to be amazed? Do we come and do we just hope to be astonished and hope to marvel at something? Is that all? Because I'll tell you that generally as Jesus walked around, and, and you know, we still, we still, many people still desire to just at least be where Jesus was. There's still a great, a great draw to want to go to Israel a little bit and from a tourist point of view maybe, out of interest to see where Jesus walked. But put yourselves right there when Jesus was actually on earth. And you, you no doubt you, you would agree that, that that would have been an amazing thing. That, that, that as we read the scriptures, you can put yourself in the multitude who came and they marveled at his gracious words, who were astonished at his doctrine, multitudes who came to want to see miracles and want to see the working of God so evident. And yet what we see in, in the lives of those, not many ended up following him. Because the point wasn't simply to be amazed. God had something more. And you know, many times we just approach the, the times and because of our mentality that sometimes has been driven into us by the culture that we live in, we just want to be entertained by God. We just want to be impressed by God. We, we just want Him and we're almost daring Him sometimes to want to blow our minds about a, a deeper truth that we learn from Scripture and, and we go and we sort of just expand on that. But what, what, was that the point? Is that the point of our gathering? Is that we would just come to hear something amazing, something astonishing? Is that the point? And you know, many times in this 
this time that we live in that, uh, that is seeker-sensitive even in Christianity, that they just want to put together a bit of an experience for the congregation. And they do things to elevate the worship. They do things to elevate the experience. We live in a time that is all about us. We live in a time that I think sometimes it's all about it's all about how impressed we are as we walk away. I was reading something this week and someone had written a blog post about just commenting on our church as independent Baptists and I was just reading about that and and some of the things that he was that this this person was observing about our, our types of churches. And at the end of it, he just said, you know, he never goes to any church and he's never happy with any church. He's, he walks away and he's never really at all impressed and he's not never really at all, you know, at, at all feeling like he could go anywhere. And this was a pastor. He was, you know, pastors come in and, and truth be told, sometimes we go on holiday and we just go into other churches to check out their ideas, right? But that, that was his whole attitude. And I'm not saying that, that we, ought not to, we ought not to do church well. I'm not saying that, that we ought not to make a good impression. I'm not saying that we ought to just, just run, run our services without any kind of thought for excellence. I think God would expect excellence from us, right? I think God would expect that we would put an effort into the, the very thing that he died for and the very, the, the very congregation that, that he wants to work in. But if that's all that it is, we're just working to impress and working to astonish and working to amaze, then we're just as good as the, the multitude that at the end of it failed to follow the Lord Jesus anyway. Because not, that's not just the point. The, the point isn't to impress. The, the point is, isn't to, to just go and, and feel like we've had an amazing time, although we ought to, we ought to put our effort and we ought to uh, put a, a, a sense of excellence. We ought to be a preparation there. There ought to be a, a desire to want to do things well. But the point of our gathering together, point of God putting something before us that sometimes even can astonish and amaze us is to carry us further. You know, the point of, of, of this time wasn't for Jesus simply to get them to a place of astonishment. In fact, the Bible tells us he wanted to do great, mighty works there. But you know, the response of the people was this unbelief. They were astonished, but they were still in unbelief. They were astonished at his doctrine. They were astonished at what he taught them in the synagogue, but they remained unchanged. They, they remained defiant to the, the things that were being proclaimed in their midst. And they came away, and God, the Lord Jesus, was going to do great, mighty works there. But they responded in unbelief. And you know, there's, there's many people in different churches all around our nation, and maybe later on in a couple of hours in different places around the world, who'll sit in church and they'll have first-class facilities. They'll have first-class worship. They'll have a, a preacher that'll preach much better than I will this morning. And they'll come away impressed, but multitudes will walk away impressed and unchanged. And they'll miss the point of the time of gathering. They're meant to walk away different. And I'm telling you that God does use amazement. I'm telling you that God does. You know, the, the point of amazement is this. It's because it's something that we are, either haven't thought of or we can't do. Right? None of us here is amazed at anything that you can do. Right? If you look at, at, at the TV and we've watched a little bit of, you know, it's the, Australia's been in, in the, the, the hold of, of soccer or football, if you want to be, you know, traditional, whatever. And everyone, the, the whole nation's been gripped by our team. And why? Because really, when you look at it, many of us couldn't compete on that field. Right? They do things that there's a reason why they're representing and not you. Right? We're impressed by those things that we can't do. That's the, how amazement works. 
right? When you watch something and you observe something and you can do it, you're not that amazed, you can do it. <laughs> but when we look at something that we can't do and something that is unthinkable, that's when we're amazed. And we ought to just have that sense of amazement still, but that's not just the point. It shouldn't stop there. And I'm saying that God does use amazement. God does use astonishment for a couple of reasons. And I want to give it to you this morning as we go through the scriptures. Now turn to Matthew chapter 7. I pray my, my voice holds out this morning. I mentioned that you know, we haven't really done any talking this week and therefore the staff have had a very productive week. But I, I just, on Friday on purpose, I, I, had a, I just was silent all day. And uh, my household was at peace as well. But yesterday I had to, uh, had to take Malachi over and Jaden over to their basketball games. And, you know, I'm just one of those typical sideline parents. I can't stay silent, all right? So you pray for my voice. It's, I think, about 85%. So maybe it'll be an 85% length this morning. Some of you are hoping. But Matthew chapter 7, and notice with me verse 24. We'll turn to a few scriptures this morning, so have your Bibles handy. And by the way, I hope you do bring your Bible to church. Some of you young people noticed, need to bring your Bibles. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 24. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell not for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. And we, we're familiar with this parable. You know, the, the wise man that built his house upon the rock, and the, the foolish man that built his house upon the sand. Now, the point of the parable was this. They were both going to go through the same thing. They both had the same opportunity but the, the difference was one heard and did, and the other one just heard. Verse 28, and it came to pass, and this is to me, this is ironic. And it came to pass when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. And to me, the irony was there was a great multitude there that was listening who walked away astonished at the teaching, who probably did nothing with the teaching. And here's the point. You know, God will give us astonishing things to behold, but it's meant to lead us to actionable truth. It's meant to lead us to something that is, is to be done. Right? We know the Scriptures, be ye not hearers of the Word, but doers of the Word. Right, we're supposed to be that. And, and notice the, the difference, though, the, that, that Jesus had. He, he said these things, and they understood that he taught them as one having authority and not like the scribes. And unfortunately, Jesus lived in a time where, where the, the general religious fervor and atmosphere was one of just, just outwardness. If you know the Pharisees and the scribes, they were, sh they were showy, right? They wore the robes. They had the phylacteries. They, they did all of these things to be outwardly showing of their religiosity. And Jesus came with a difference. He came with authority, though. And, and, and I'm saying that sometimes there's an outwardness about religion that deadens us, that deadens the reality of God more than it helps the reality of God. And, and the, the Pharisees had, had created an atmosphere there of just showiness. They were showful of, of all of their religiosity. And it was all about, all about getting attention. It was all about who could, who could go further in their standards and who could go further in their outwardness. And the difference with the Lord, though, was he came with authority. He had authority. And, and, you know, sometimes the, sometimes the action of things isn't enough. You know, all around our, our country today, there will be those who, who will do what we're doing today. They will have the Bible open. 
They will sing the hymns. They will have the time like we will and, and they'll have a service like we're having. And yet there'll be some who come with a dryness and they'll come with the outward appearance and they'll come with all of the proverbial boxes ticked but they won't have power and they won't have authority. And Jesus came with great authority and, and, and with authority comes the ability to give us instruction that we need to action. And, and it's based on his authority. You know, sometimes we come and, and we have this mentality that, that we'll, we'll only do anything if we've been, we've been moved to tears or we've been moved to laughter. And, you know, the, 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 the speaker came with his best stories. And I'm not saying that all of those things are wrong. But I'm saying that, that if that's, that's all that it is and we forget and neglect that the authority actually comes from the Word of God. And we've not opened the Bible to exposit it and not opened the Bible to glean the principles from it that we need. And we don't come with an attitude that it is our authority and therefore it could tell us what to do. And it's something that we're supposed to action, then we've missed the point as well. We've missed the point. Because God's trying to get us to a place of at least an astonishment of the fact that we're hearing from the Word of God. But it's meant to bring our attention to an actionable truth. You know, the danger is that we allow astonishment to be the end, not the beginning. You know, that's the end of it. We come away and, boy, pastor preached well. Boy, that was a, that, he seemed to be on song 85%. I mean, it feels like it was 100%, you know. But if that's it and there's no action that comes forth from it, there's nothing that you've written down to say, these are the things I'm going to work on this week, then we've missed the point. You know, I think about even as the, as the, the, the disciples, they, they were in, uh, in Acts chapter 1, as they, they watched Jesus ascend to heaven, turn there with me. Notice what the, what, the, what the Bible tells us and records for us here. Look at Acts chapter 1. And he gives a commission in verse 8. We're familiar with that. And notice verse 9. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. And notice what they said to them, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. Then returned they unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. Notice what happened. As they beheld, they just were given instruction. They said it was basically go ye, right? It was, it was to go into Jerusalem, Judea, and to the uttermost. And they were given that task to win the world. And yet as they heard that, they were beholding as they went. And you can imagine, imagine the Lord Jesus ascending up into heaven. You would have your mouth open. You ever watch someone as they have their mouth open looking at something gawky? It's usually a car accident on the road that causes another accident, right? But you, you sort of just watch them as they're amazed at something and you, they've got their mouth open. And I'm imagining the disciples just gawking up in heaven. And the angels just said, hey, uh, guys, <laughs> you know that commission? You know that thing that you're supposed to do? Why stand ye here gazing? <laughs> and you know, sometimes the, 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 those of us perhaps who, who just are amazed at the impact in the immediate, you can sometimes just stay there when there's meant to be an action involved. There's meant to be an actionable truth that you have. And there's meant to be something that you bring away, take away from that. And you're meant to just, instead of gazing and gawking and standing there amazed, you're meant to take it and live it and do something with it. And they, they, they went about, and that's not, you know, that's, not the, that's not the end. That's the beginning. And what God's trying to do is get our attention 
Because there's meant to be an action that we take. There's meant to be a corresponding action to the truth that is so amazing. You know, there ought to be that we, we, we get it, uh, God gets our attention. And sometimes God will bring us to a situation that, you know, we've just been instructed about that. You know, sometimes we have an opportunity in the next week to just action. But if we don't plan to act, we won't act. You know, a couple of years ago, I was, uh, we, were, we were just going through a time where there was a, there's a lot of just, just an emphasis in our church about being, being, being an, a better evangelist and going out and, and being a, a witness in our community. And so what we did, we, we designed new tracks to, to, uh, to encourage people to just hand out along the way as they... So we went and, and there was a table just like we have uh, put together at the back and we, we picked up tracks and the challenge was this, just, just take five tracks in the week and give it to five people, not, not in a letterbox, but to five people, actual people. And they, the, the point of the message that week was don't be intimidated. The gospel is for everyone. And it doesn't matter if it's your neighbor, it doesn't matter if it's anyone. And, and, and I remember the, the, the specific thing was it doesn't matter if, they're, if it's a well-known person. You should be able to give them the gospel. And, you know, I remember taking that away and, and I said, Lord, please give me an opportunity to be a witness this week. And I, I had planned that week to hand out five tracks. And that week I was going over and I was, I was already working for the church and, 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 you know, you're the associate, so you're running errands for the pastor. I went to office works, which was my every other day job was to go to office works. But this particular office works had a subway next to it. And I, I remember I had planned I was going to get a subway for lunch, right, try to be healthy. But I went over and I, 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 I got there and I was about to walk into the subway and I looked out and this was this, this beautiful car. It was a blue Maserati. All right, I'm looking and I'm thinking, a Maserati in Western Sydney? It just doesn't belong, all right? But as I looked, there was this massive guy who was coming out of the subway. And you know who it was? It was Israel Folau. And if those of you, he, he, he's a pretty controversial figure now, isn't he? But he was a, he was a Mormon at that time. And so he was coming out of the, the subway. He had his sub with him. He had, his, he had a milkshake. And he was walking out and he had put his, can you imagine this? He put his milkshake on top of his Maserati, all right? <laughs> and I just thought, you know, this is exactly what was being preached about. And I ran over there and I said, excuse me, Mr. Falau. Now I called him Israel. All right, I said, excuse me, Israel. I said, can I give you this track? And he looked at me and I said, you know, you might think you're invincible, but you're not because God knows who you are. And I gave him that track and I like to think he was my fruit, all right, because I apparently got saved later. But, <laughs> but he took that track and he looked at me and, you know, he just, he was dumbfounded. But I remember this, this guy and, you know, sometimes... When we go ahead and plan to action what God has revealed to us, He'll give you an opportunity anyway. But the, the, the point of the, that is this, will you action it? You know, the things that we read in the Word of God, the things that we're amazed by, the, you know, sometimes we're always about fact-finding rather than act-finding. And we're, we're looking for facts. And many of us here, you'll, you'll sit down in a, trivial, in a trivia situation, you'll have every answer in the Bible, but I wonder if we're living it and we're, we're I wonder if our lives tell it. And in God, sometimes he brings us to an amazing truth and, an ama and a place of astonishment. Why? Because at the end of the day, he wants us to act. You know, he brings us to astonishment really to confront us and to change us. Because sometimes that's what it needs. Sometimes it needs to be that we just get to a place of astonishment. And, you know, sometimes... That astonishment comes in a type of trial. That's why the Bible tells us, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial. You know, sometimes that's what God has to do to amaze us. You ever gone through something that, 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 that was so trying that you're just dumbfounded about it? Maybe you, 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 you had an injury. You ever see someone 
who's gone through a, a, a big injury, and they're just in shock. They're stunned. They're astonished. They're wondering how this happened to them. You ever gone down the roadside, you see someone in a, a car accident? They're just sitting there just wondering how it happened. And sometimes God brings us to places of trying and trouble for that very reason. But sometimes God brings us to a place of astonishment just to get us to a place of thinking. Just to get us to a place where we can be changed and confronted. And, and I think about this, this, uh, this situation. Look at Luke chapter 5. Look at Luke chapter 5. And, and we'll start, start reading in verse 1. And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God. So the crowd was so big, he had, to, he had to do something. He stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two ships standing by the lake. But the fishermen were gone out of them and were, were washing their nets. And he entered into the one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little bit from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. And so there's this, there's this opportunity that Jesus took to just sit there at the ship to, to just deal with them. And verse 4, when he let speaking, he said unto Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draft. And Simon answering and said, Master, we have toiled all night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. And so this is Peter telling Jesus what to do. Saying, you know, you're wrong. <laughs> you, you can't tell me to do this. I mean, I've, I've been out all night. Don't you know I'm a fisherman? But then notice what he says, Master, he says, Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net, luckily for him. And when they had done this, this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net break. Imagine, imagine that for a fisherman. Just the catch of the day. They toiled all night, found nothing, and this situation happened at Jesus' word. To the point they beckoned their partners, which were in the other ship, that they, would come, that they should come and help them, and they came and filled both the ships so that they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. You know, Peter was humbled. Why? For he was astonished, and all that were with him at the draft of the fishes which they had taken. And so was also James and John, the, son of Ze the sons of Zebedee. And what happened was, Peter was in a place where he just couldn't see any further. He didn't see the reality of his own heart's condition. And Jesus had to use something astonishing to confront and change him. And notice Peter's, Peter's response. He says, depart from me, I'm a sinful man. You know, Peter was broken. He, he probably thought some things of himself. And we know Peter, he had a big mouth. He did think much of himself. And, and you, you study the failures of Peter. How, how they were actually the... the, the the times when he, he, he propelled forward in his faith. And, and God had to, the Lord Jesus had to confront and change him through his astonishment. And in verse 11, it says, they forsook all and followed him. You know, he didn't stay in self-pity. He, he didn't go to that place where, where you know, we, I, I can't do this and, and how can I? No, he came to a place of just hum, humble acceptance of his reality. And sometimes that's what God has to do. He has to astonish us to confront and change us. And, and, you know, sometimes we're amazed by God's dealings, but we don't allow it to change us. We're just amazed. And, you know, sometimes I think here's what we like. They're, they're, I remember studying how to preach and all of that. One of the subjects under that heading and, and was how to, how to have titles. You know, how to create sermon titles. And that was one whole lesson on sermon titles and and part of it was just make sure that it draws attention. And, you know, there was examples of that, and, and it was clearly written at a time when people were looking for controversial topics. You know, clickbait is what we call it today, right? And, and uh, you know, sometimes that's, that's all we're looking for when it comes to God. We just want something to, something controversial, something that can get our attention. And that's about it. You know, we'll pay attention if it's something that's a little on edge. We'll get off our phones then. 
We'll stop watching what we were watching in the middle of this church service. We'll pay attention then and get our eyes glued. And we're just looking for something that'll grab our attention. But that's not all of it. You know, God's trying to grab our attention to change us. And I think about Paul. You know, Paul was just doing his thing. He was Saul. He was, he was persecuting the church. He, he did it out of ignorance. He thought he was doing it for the truth. And God had to do something to confront him. And in Acts chapter 9, verse 5, he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into a city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. And we understand that, that Paul was a chosen vessel. In fact, the Lord Jesus says that about him. He had chosen him for a specific use. He had chosen him, and, and Saul, Saul was hindering himself. Saul thought he was doing all that he could. Saul thought that all that he was called to do was what he was doing right there. And sometimes what God has to do to get us to a place of just the next thing and to change us is to get our attention through something astonishing. He'll get us to a place where we'll see something we won't normally see. And again, a couple of years ago, we had the privilege of going to Sri Lanka. We had ordained a young man who's he's there, he's pastoring there now. He was our speaker this year at our youth camp and <coughs> came along. <coughs> Excuse me. And... <coughs> And we had, we had, my wife and I had, had decided we're going to make sure he gets there. We're going to drop him off in Sri Lanka. So we went via Thailand. We did the leadership conference over there. But to be honest with you, it was a pretty dry time in my life. We just had been pastoring for a little while. And, and we're just, you know, just, just feeling like we're in a flat spot. And we were just thinking, what, what's next? What are we supposed to do? How are we going to grow? And, and, and we, we came along on this trip just thinking uh, we're going to drop him off and it'll be a simple time. But... But the missionary there, we, we've had him come here, Pastor Andrew. He decided, you know, we're not just going to have the, just a service. Come early, and I want to take you around the country. And we got to do that. And the very first night, we went over to, uh, to an area where it was full of tea plantations, and we got to go walk around there. And, and we stopped at a specific place. It was a shanty town where all of the tea workers were living. And we got to walk around there, see the poverty and the See, the, we're confronted with the reality of their condition, of the things that they were, had to live in. And, and we were walking around trying to invite them to come along to uh, an, uh, an evening. They were going to watch a film in their language. And then the, the, the missionary in that particular village wanted me to preach the gospel and he was going to interpret it. And So, you know, it, it had been a while, to be honest. It had been a long while since I, I led someone to the Lord. It was just a really flat spot. In, in just in my ministry life. And I remember that night, about 150 people came just within half an hour to an hour's notice. It's amazing. And they came out. I got to preach the gospel. It was a simple, simple gospel message, but that's all it takes, doesn't it? <laughs> and about 70 people that night came forward and the missionary dealt with each one of them. And 70 people called on the Lord that evening. And, you know, I just remember just being broken. I remember, uh, you know, a, a lot of them came around my wife and they were, they were touching her nails, her hair. They were touching her jacket. You know, it was cold up in the mountains. And, and the, the missionaries, we asked one of the ladies who was from there, they said, well, how come they're so this way? And they said, they're probably all orphans and don't have a mother. And just the reality of that, and we were just broken. Went to our hotel room that night, and I just, I just wept. And I just said, Lord, forgive me for my faithlessness. You know, sometimes God's trying to get us forward, and it's just us. And we just need to be confronted with something astonishing. And don't, don't let it just be the end there. That's just the beginning. It's meant to confront us, to, to change us. And, and really, at the end of it, it's meant to grow our faith in him. You know, look at Matthew chapter 21, and, and I think last scripture we'll turn to. Matthew chapter 21. Verse 
and look at verse 18. Now in the morning as he returned into the city, he hungered. And when he saw a fig tree in the way, he came to it and found nothing thereon but leaves only. And said unto it, let no fruit grow on thee henceforward forever. And presently the fig tree withered away. And when the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, How soon is the fig tree withered away? Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily, or truly, I say unto you, If ye have faith and doubt not, ye shall not only do this which is done to the fig tree, but also if ye shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed and be cast into the sea, it shall be done. In all things whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, believing, ye shall receive. You know, the point of, of this, this picture here with the fig tree was that it, it hadn't grown fruit. And it was meant to inspire something in the lives of those disciples that if they had faith, they're supposed to bear fruit. That if they had faith, there was something that God could do with them. And, and, and that's the, the point often when it comes to the things of God that amaze us. It's meant to inspire us to greater heights. It's meant to inspire us to grow our faith in Him. And you know, that, that's why it, it pays well to pay attention in church. It pays well to pay attention when there's a testimony of God working. Because that's meant to grow us in our faith. That's meant to feed something in us that tells us that God, God is still working. And it might be that today you're, you're, you're looking around and it's like, well, what's life all about? It might be that you come in week in, week out, and you're just, I want to tell you, maybe get back to that place of amazement. Maybe instead of just turning off when there's an opportunity that comes your way, if someone is on the, up here sharing a testimony or stands up and shares a testimony in your conversation, or you're hearing something that God's challenging you about that you don't look elsewhere, but you look within a little bit, and you say, Lord, what are you telling me? If God's pointing something out and, and trying to get your attention, then, then do, do get your attention on that thing. You know, when, when people come up here and, and, you know, we're trying to have a regular baptisms and when someone has baptism and we're seeing that, I hope that you don't just cheer and are joyful about that. But I hope that you're wondering, is there someone I can lead this week that maybe next month will get baptized? That you're thinking, is it my time to, to grow? Is this something that is trying to indicate to me? And don't just get amazed. Do something about it. Don't just get astonished at what God is doing in someone else's life. You know, I don't know about you. I love hearing the testimony of our, our, our young adults at times. And, you know, there's been a bit of a highlighting of that recently. But that, that just that feeds me, that tells me, you know, there's another generation to reach. And, and if God's doing something in their life, God, what are you doing in my life? Get, get me back to that awe and that wonder and get me back to that time where I just want to do something for you because I just love you, Lord. Not because it's my job. Not because I just know better. No, no, because there's just something in me that says, Lord, you're worthy. And Lord, you amaze me. And Lord, you astonish me. And actually, I need to do more for you. You know, we can become very adept, adept to being Christians to the point that our familiarity normalizes astonishing things. We see people get saved, and we've heard two, I believe, this week, two of our young people get saved. Boy, I hope that you've had a rejoicing fit because of that. <laughs> I hope that you don't go, oh, you know, it's just young people. Are they really saved? Hey, hey, stop getting, stop being so cranky and familiar and get, get amazed again. Hey, listen, get amazed. Get, get astonished again. And get to that point and then let God propel you forward into what is next in your life. Propel you into that place of, Lord, I want to be part of that. Lord, I want to see some amazing things. You know I, what I love about times when we have conferences? I get to hear other stories. You know what? I'll be honest with you. When I was younger, it used to make me really jealous. I used to go, how come 
But you know, when I began to really think about it, I remember that the same God that they serve is the same God I serve. And it might be different for me, but there's other amazing things that God can do in me and through me. Because at the end of the day, we serve an amazing God. And we serve a God who can. And we serve a God who wants to work in us. And we serve a God that can amaze us and then can propel us forward in our life for Him. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for the time that we've had. And Lord, we have to admit this morning that you are an amazing God. That you are a God who can astonish, Lord, in, in your doctrine, Lord, in your, in your dealing with us, Lord, in just the way that, Lord, the Bible can still come alive to in our day. And yet, Father, we limit ourselves often at, and we leave ourselves at astonishment when, Lord, in reality, you want us to do something and you want us to go further for you. And I pray, dear God, that, Lord, we would trust you first of all and, and recognize that, Lord, you're a God who's still able. You're a God who's still powerful. You're a God, Lord, who in our day can still do some pretty amazing stuff. And then, Father, in that, Lord, that we would grow and seek you more. And, Father, then, Lord, action the things that, Lord, you're, you're, you're bringing us, bringing our attention uh, Lord, abound. And I pray that, Lord, you'd help each and every one of us this morning to come to a place maybe of just getting back, of just, just asking for, for that, that sense of amazement and awe in you again and that refreshing, that renewal in our spirit. And then, Father, then going forward, that we would allow that to propel us into what you would have for us in, each and in our every lives. Lord, into what you would have us to do and what you would have us to be. And I pray that you'd help each and every one of us. We're going to have a time of invitation now.